Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you all. I shared with the earlier service how happy I was when I woke up early to work on the message, and the sun is shining. Amen, huh? And the World Cup is going on right now. I heard England was up 6-1 to one last I heard. Um, I have a, this is actually for uh, the game. Um, goal! No, I'm just joking. Uh, let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, we are here because we want to know you. If we're here for any other reason, we're kind of wasting our time. And so maybe if we're here and we don't want to know you, maybe help us open our minds and hearts a little bit. Because according to you, you are life, and there's no life that's real life outside of you. And you sent your son that we might know about that life, a life that never ends, a life that sets us free, a life that allows us to be forgiven and free from shame and guilt that torture us. So please, open up our minds and hearts this morning. Please speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. Yesterday morning, on my way to jiu-jitsu, um, you all may not know, but most pastors actually take a martial art or two because it's dangerous being a pastor. I'm just joking. Um, we can all take a deep breath. Um, I was on my way there, and I was right on time. I didn't have 30 seconds more, 30 seconds less. I wanted to get the class right on time. And I put my car in reverse, and I start backing out my driveway, and I hear a... I'm like, oh, man. And I thought, maybe I left the emergency brake on. So I've got one of those pedal emergency brakes. It's a Toyota. So I pushed down to let it go, but it was already up. It wasn't the emergency brake. So I went back a little further just to be sure, and it was that same old sound. And I thought, man, I have a flat tire. And I did. I mean, it was dead flat. It wasn't even rolling flat. It was just down on the rim. And I was frustrated. And at that moment in time, I had two choices. I could have either, actually the earlier service enlightened me on a few other choices that I had. One of them was Uber. I hadn't thought of that one. But at that moment, I had two choices. I could either continue to back out of my driveway and try to drive with at least three wheels working. You know, three out of four isn't bad. Or I could do what I ended up doing, which is drive forward, run inside, get my wife's keys, and take her car instead. Guess what I did? Number two, correct. I went and I ran inside very quickly. I got my wife's car, which had four working tires. And I did that because I am a person, probably like you, 
who is not satisfied with the half-life. I had three out of four tires functioning just fine, but one of them was enough for me to say, nope, I'm not satisfied with a half-life. I need a full life. And I want to tell you this morning, please, don't ever be satisfied with a half-life. Don't ever be satisfied with a half-life. If you are sitting here this morning, and perhaps when you woke up, perhaps last night when you went to bed, perhaps something that happened this past week, and you are feeling like, I am living a half-life. I am living a half-life. Don't be satisfied with that. Don't settle. Don't settle for anything less than a full life. And why? Because we have full life in Christ. We have full life in Christ. Now the problem is this. The problem is that we know we're not satisfied with a half-life. We know that when we wake up and go through the routine day after day, year after year, we're being responsible, we're raising our kids, we're loving our spouse, we're even maybe going to church, and we're sitting here in this room, and we're feeling like, I still feel like I am living a half-life. I am not reaching my fullest potential, and I hate it. And it makes me a little angry when you, Mr. Pastor Ben, say don't be satisfied with a half-life, because who would be? Not too long ago, a couple years ago, I was mountain biking, and I broke my arm coming down a hill. I went over my handlebars, and I had to push my bike about two miles back uphill. And the last half mile, I decided to ride my bike instead of pushing it because I didn't want my neighbors to talk to me. Seriously, my arm was hanging at a gross, grotesque angle. Like, it was weird. It was clearly not right. And the last thing I needed was one of my neighbors to walk up to me and say, Ben, your arm's broken. I know. I'm in a lot of pain right now. So I, last half mile uh, to my house, I got on the bike, and I decided I could steer with one hand, and it was going pretty good until the speed bump, which was the last 100 yards before my house. And so I hit that speed bump, and everything was great until it wasn't. And as I went down, knowing that I was about to hit the ground again on my outstretched broken arm, the thought that came to my head was, don't scream too loud because you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And I very quickly got back up and rode away. I know what it's like to go to church for a while. We're supposed to be about Jesus. We're supposed to be happy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And Why am I so angry? Why do I still covet? Why am I so frustrated? And I'm supposed to love those people on the other side of the room or in my family. But do I have to like them? Because they're kind of jerks. And I tried to be nice to them that one time. But I don't like them. And God fixed my broken heart. I know that. I know that it's a half-life. I know it's not what I read in the text. And I don't want to be satisfied with a half-life, but here I am. 
And I recognize I'm kind of poking that pain a little bit. And I'm the neighbor that's talking to you when you're like, there, my arm is broken and it really hurts. Well, there's good news. That's what we're here for today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 gives us the good news of how we can realize the full life we have in Christ. And please, I encourage you this morning, engage your brain. I know you always do anyways, but extra special engagement. Because what I believe with all my heart we have the opportunity to deal with today is to move from living a half-life to experiencing the full life that we have in Christ. We really can. And I encourage you, I'll be up here afterwards for a little while. You can talk with me. You can challenge me if you disagree. But really see if this morning, I mean, imagine, imagine if we sent out an announcement to Leesburg and we said that this morning we're going to teach you how to experience the fullest life you possibly can experience. If your potential is 100%, we can teach you how to experience and live out your potential at 100% as a human being. Now, if people believed us, we couldn't keep them out the door. It would be packed. And if we believe God's word this morning, if you do believe God's word this morning, you and I have the opportunity to live Day by day, moment by moment, a full life in Christ. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule, all authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I admit to you, I don't understand that last sentence completely. I know some of it is beyond my understanding. But I know that when the Bible calls the church, those who follow Christ and believe in him, the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way, 
What kind of potential is that? How do you even frame that? What could you aspire to that is greater than the fullness of deity that fills the whole world, the whole earth, all things in every way possible? It's remarkable. Paul is saying this to the church, writing this to the church in Ephesus. Clearly, though, he's talking about the church as a whole. The church in Ephesus wasn't that different in some ways from this church right here. They were part of the city of Ephesus, a very prominent city at the time. It was where the temple of Artemis was. It was a port city on the Ionian Sea uh, in ancient Greek, but now it's in modern-day Turkey. It was very prominent, and there were people in that church just like you and just like me, many of which, I bet, did not understand what they had in Christ. And just like you and I, they spent far too much of their day wondering why, even in Christ, they were experiencing a half-life, knowing that something was broken. So what does Paul begin to pray for them? And what does Paul, I would say, also pray for us? Let's look here in the text. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What do you and I pray for? What did you pray for last? And think about it. What was the last thing you prayed for? It's not a challenge. It's, these are all things just for ourselves to kind of process through. For myself, uh, my wife just got back from a business trip to Chicago. I prayed for safety. They had storms in Chicago. I pray she would make it home safely. Um, I prayed for the message this morning. I pray that God would speak to us. I pray that he would help me to speak well, to not waste your time or mine, that he would encourage us. Um, I did pray that he would help me not get mad about the car with the flat tire because as soon as it happened, I wanted to get frustrated and then I remembered I was preaching today about hope. But what was Paul saying he was praying for the Ephesians? That they would know God better. But in order to know God better, what did they need first? The spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know God better. It's amazing to me that this text is not a Tony Robbins text, you know, like motivational speaking. Hey, this is how you can experience your best life now, and all you have to do is follow these five steps, and you can win. This text is a little bit more like my car that's currently sitting in my driveway, broken still because three out of four tires are working, and I haven't changed the tire yet. Partly because I told myself I was late for jujitsu, so I had to go right away. When I got home, I had to prepare for the message. Then I had some calls. I had dinner with my family. Then more study and prep time. And still my car is sitting in my driveway with a flat tire. It's got three out of four tires that are working just fine. It's a half-life car. Even better, it's a three-quarter life car. But I'll tell you this, and my wife will tell me this when I get home if I don't do something about it. A half-life car is about a, as good as a no-life car. 
It's not really useful to me. And the worst thing of all is this. It has the potential already right there in my driveway to be a full life car. Let's read on a little more in the text. He says, I pray that God would give you wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Please understand, remember, this is not a text that Paul is writing to those outside of the faith in Jesus Christ. This text is written to those of us who believe. Too many of us think that following Jesus means saying a prayer and then showing up on Sundays, and we should be good to go. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing the full life that God intended for us. And the reason why is right here, plain as day in this text. Paul is saying to Christians, I'm praying that you and I would know him better. And we need God to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation for that to happen. I was very tempted this morning to bring peanut butter in with me. Not because I'm hungry, although it's delicious. I was going to put peanut butter on my eyes, which upon further reflection didn't seem like a great idea because it's hard to get peanut butter off your eyes. And I thought, well, I could have a little thing here. Where I put peanut butter on. Then I was a youth pastor, by the way, so maybe that's where this comes from. And I could wipe it off here and keep wiping it off. But the reality is that many of us as Christians, I'm not talking about those who are blind to the faith. I'm talking about those who have been saved are walking around with peanut butter on our eyes. And we need God to give us wisdom to say, wait a second, I can get this peanut butter off my eyes. I can wash it off. I can try to see better. And we need revelation because some of us are stumbling around day after day, year after decade, wondering why we are not experiencing full life in Christ. And like me with my car broken down in the driveway, I don't need anything new. I need to use what I have. I need to appropriate it. Because we can all sit right now and say, okay, let's pray for my car. Let's pray that God will heal that car because that is a broke car. Let's pray. I'm not mocking anything. We ought to pray. But I don't believe God is pleased if we don't appropriate the gifts he's given us. As a parent, would you be? Hey, son, I'd like you to vacuum the floor now. All right, dad, let's pray about it. All right, son, we should pray, so we pray. All right. Are you going to use the vacuum, son? No, dad, I prayed about it. Ben, are you going to change that tire on the car? Are you going to get under there? Are you going to do the hard work? See, I'm a little scared of changing the tire on that car because it's an old car. It's almost got 200,000 miles on it, and I have no clue when it was last uh, used to change a tire. So there's a tire there, but I'm fairly certain the cable that lowers that thing is rusted, and that I'm going to take like two hours to change the tire on this car. I'm going to have to spray stuff on it. I'm going to have to get dirty. I'm going to have to deal with the mess of it. But unless I do... I will keep living a half-life, which is almost as good as a no-life. That car will be no good to me. And it won't do any good that I say, well, I'm almost, it's almost fixed. 
It's mostly good to go. Friends, we have the resources in Christ to live a full life. And let's hear what Paul wants us to be enlightened to. In verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He's praying that the peanut butter would come off our eyes through wisdom and revelation. That we might know that we have hope. That we might know that we have riches. A rich inheritance. And that we might know that we have power. These aren't things that we're having to aspire to or praying for. He's saying these are things we have in Christ already. I wish we had more time this morning to get into what is that rich inheritance, what is that great hope, and what is that great power. That's coming up in chapter 2, and Tim would be mad if I jumped ahead in the text and ruined his next sermon. However, we can cheat a little bit because we know that the hope is eternal life. The hope is freedom from death, and the fear of wasting our lives, and the worry that we might never be good enough, we know with hope that I am loved and accepted. We know that we have a rich inheritance in Christ. Right here, God placed, in verse 22, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So let's just think about that for half a second. The one under whom God has placed all riches, all power, all authority, that person has been given to us, the church, God's people, his body. I read recently Jeff Bezos is now worth like $145 billion. He's currently the world's richest person. I don't even know what that number looks like. It's a lot of zeros. But my rich inheritance, when I walk around, if I want to move from living a half life, I ought to be understanding that I am way wealthier than Mr. Bezos will ever be. Ever. Because he's worth $145 billion for what, 80 years? Not even that long, because he got rich later in life. But let's just say it's 80 years. How long do we live? In Christ, forever. So what's 80 years compared to 300 billion years? Which isn't even eternity, but let's just pretend it is because that's a hard number. So let's say I was only going to live for 300 billion years with God forever. And Mr. Bezos has 145 billion at his disposal for the 80 years in this life. What's that like? What if I said to you right now, I said, look, I've got a great deal for you. Are you all ready? Deal of a lifetime. I'm going to give you a marshmallow, little marshmallow, and you can have that marshmallow for half a second. Or if you wait half a second, you can have all the steak, lobster, shrimp, whatever dinner that you want. All you got to do is wait half a second. 
or, or change it around. If, if I said to you, look, I'll give you $300 billion right now, but you only get to keep it for half a second. Or if you wait a half a second, you can have a trillion dollars that you can have forever. Half a second. That's how long we live, a half a second. And that's part of our problem is a half a second because we're so focused on the half a second that we miss the riches. We got peanut butter on the eyes. We're missing it. We're worried about getting older when we ought to be like, yeah, I'm getting older. I'm pretty little though, still though because I'm going to live for eternity. So I'm like less than embryonic at the moment. But yeah. One thing we get plagues our soul is this idea that, well, I'm turning 40. Oh, no, I'm going to die now in 50, 60, 70, 80. Whereas getting older in Christ is like Christmas that's coming. Anybody have kids or watch kids around Christmas? Do any of them, like, start to go, oh, Dad, Mom, Christmas is coming. I'm really disappointed. Oh, no, there's only 20 sleeps till Christmas? <gasps> Two sleeps till Christmas? Oh, no. My kids... I remember as a kid just losing my mind when there's like two sleeps till Christmas. One sleep till Christmas? Are you depressed? No. You can't wait. This is the inheritance we have in Christ. Don't you want to live that way? Do you really want to live in a way that's like, oh, I'm getting on, now I'm 50, now I'm 70. Oh, dear. I have little life left. Then what are you living for? Because in Christ, we have full life. Full life, we have riches. We have hope. We have power. We have the power that Scripture here says is the same power that God used to bring the dead to life in Christ. When Jesus died, God used his power to raise him from the dead. And this text is saying that same power is at work on our behalf. So how do I know if I'm not living a full life? I'll tell you what I do. I talk to myself. Scripture does it too in the Psalms. It says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Trust also in him. It's not so different than what I might do with my vehicle at home. Oh, my car's not working. It's so terrible. I just, God's just not answering my prayers these days. I say, wait, Ben, hold on a second. God gave you a jack. God gave you WD-40. God gave you friends. God gave you a little bit of time. Use it. Set yourself free. Understand that you and I have power. We have riches a rich inheritance, and we have great, great hope. So do I live with hope? Think about yourself. Try to be honest in the privateness of your own heart. This past week, today, are our lives characterized by hope? Is that the prevailing sense of our lives, of our daily existence? If not, well, then I need to make some changes. Because like I said before, these aren't like the five steps to experience hope, power, and riches. This is simply removing peanut butter from the eyes. Asking God to help me know him better that I might have a, a wisdom and revelation to recognize what is mine already. 
in Christ. A full life is free from fear of the future. A full life is fully satisfied. A full life is full of power, able to tack any task God requires. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wouldn't you like to live a life like that? I mean, can you imagine? Why don't we go ahead and take a moment and just affirm these truths of Scripture together. Hope, power, riches. Or rich inheritance is more accurate, but hope, power, riches. So I want you to say with me, if you are following Christ, and by the way, if you're listening this morning, and you're like, well, that's good for those guys. The power of Christ is available for everyone who believes, right where you are. There was once a thief on the cross next to Jesus. The other guy was picking on him. And the, the, the other crook said to the guy on this side, hey, stop it. We deserve our punishment, but Jesus doesn't. He's done no wrong. And Jesus looked at him and basically said, you're saved. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He believed. So that can happen in your heart right now as you're listening. But for those of us who have believed, let's affirm these truths. I want you to say after me if you would. I have hope. I have power. I have riches. I have hope. I have power. I have riches. I have hope. I have power. I have riches. It's true. I ought to walk around feeling like the wealthiest guy on the planet. Why wouldn't I? It's true. I ought to walk around believing that anything that God puts in my path, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's true. I ought to walk around no matter what happens having the hope that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's true. How do we develop these things in our lives then? How do we affirm those truths? What are the jacks we need to appropriate to change the tire out of false beliefs? There's a lot to talk about in this regard, and it's a lifelong journey. I don't think it's an event where you're like, hey, I heard this message on church at church on Sunday. Now I have full life. Woo! You have to get in there. Just like changing that tire, you're gonna, it's going to be a struggle. You're going to have to fight it. You're going to have to want it. You're going to have to give yourself to it. Jesus said, unless a person is willing to die, they're not fit to follow me. It's going to take some dying to myself. It's going to take some dying to my dreams about what significance means. And sometimes you actively have to get in there and kill that lie in order to find yourself realizing that full life. It might mean giving an absurd amount of money for no other reason than you want to be free from the love of money. That's what Jesus did to the rich young ruler, remember? He never said it to anybody else ever in scripture. He never said, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor, except to that guy. Why? Because that was the thing that was keeping him from experiencing a full life. What's keeping you from experiencing a full life this morning? It is something. 
And my life, for example, I'm constantly discovering little things that help me understand how I can move towards greater fullness and freedom in Christ. For me, one thing has been dying to certain ideas about what spirituality means. It doesn't mean preaching in front of 10,000 people. Let me tell you that. It means being faithful. And when I am faithful, I can be at peace. That's my metric for success. That's how I recognize that what power means is not the definition of the world's power. It might mean something else for you. What is it? It is something. I like to think of church as a gym for life, a place where we go to learn how to live. But when you go to a gym, you got to work out. And if you're doing a workout and it's not hard and a little bit painful sometimes, I don't mean the bad pain, I mean like my muscles are burning kind of pain, you might not be working out at all. You might be watching TV or watching a workout. Have you ever been to a gym where people watch other people work out? I think it's illegal in like 49 states. It's at least creepy. Person goes in there, gets all dressed up, and is just like, looking good, looking good, like those pants, nice. It's creepy. Are our churches full of people like that? I hope not. We go and we watch. We're like, yeah, good job, looking good. But why do I feel so crappy? Why do I feel so sick? Why don't I feel like I'm getting healthier? I've been coming to this gym for years. Well, let's start with an exercise. And it can start right now. What is it in your life that you need to do to remove, to change, to stop putting up with this stinking half-life when your inheritance is a full life in Christ. I'll say it again. I have hope. Say it like you mean it. I have hope. You guys are Baptists, right? Because I think they're known for being like, amen. Let's say it like a good Baptist. I have hope. I have power. I have riches. I have hope. I have power. I have riches. I have hope. I have power. I have riches. And I am done with a half life. I'm done. I'm done with it. They're lies. I don't have to put up with it. There's a jack in the car. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and get to work and take care of this thing. Because I don't have to wait for it. I don't have to pray for it. I have to appropriate what God has already given me in Christ today, now. And the lies can go out the door. And the shame can go out the door. And all that other crud can go out the door. And that change begins now, today, with that thing that God put on your heart and mind. You follow through. Cars do not work good on three wheels. Let me tell you that right now. And your life at half-life capacity will feel useless and you will not be happy. It changes today. You can do it. It's yours in Christ already. Don't you ever settle in 
and be satisfied with the half-life. Don't do it, for you have been given a full life in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friends here this morning, my brothers and sisters on the journey, the way of Christ that leads me to more and more life, as Jesus said, more abundant life than I ever thought possible. That can change right now from me living a half-life, a frustrated existence where I'm playing around, where I'm watching people work out and wondering why I still feel gross, to a life where I change my nutrition, I change my habits, I change my routines, I shift my priorities, I start to appropriate the life that is already mine in Christ Jesus. Please, Lord Jesus, embolden my friends right now. Let them just grab onto that truth and say, no more. I am done with that. I am sick of that. And I refuse to be satisfied with it. And whatever it takes, may they continue on that journey. May you encourage them. May you help them. For you have already in Jesus. May the Lord bless you all and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you today and give you peace now and forever. Amen. You're dismissed. Hey, Mark.